You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Bishop started a series called The Believer's Advantage, and I have the privilege to do part two. And after he ministered on that Sunday, which was last Sunday, uh, he was asking me, what am I going to minister on? Because he was already telling me I was going to minister. The Lord already tell, dealt with me while he was up here. You need to do part two of your father's series. So I wanted to do part two, and I'm going to introduce my title in a little bit, but I want to just give you a couple of reminders real quick. I want us to turn our attention uh, to First uh, John 4 and 4 and give you a couple of faith boosters as we sort of set towards this. First John 4 and 4 says, you are, God, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Shout amen to that. So, say, I have the advantage. First John 4 and 4 says this, but you belong to God, my dear children. New Living Translation says, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Shall I have the advantage? Romans 8 and 31 says this, what shall we say then say to these things, if God be for us, who? Someone shout who. Point to someone say who. Who can be against us? These scriptures exemplify the believer's advantage. And for review, the definition of advantage is a condition or circumstance that puts one in favorable or superior position. Which has me thinking about Jesus and how he died on the cross for our sins. And our sins during this holiday season, thinking about Christ and the crucifixion and all God's done for us. And you're going to see on our Christmas production plug on December 33rd, you're going to see little boys and little girls and our young people and our children's ministry exemplify the illustration of Jesus and what time of season it is. You'll see on December 13th, you'll hear the sound of our awesome creative arts department. But in lieu of that, as we transition to the holiday season for the second part of the series, I think about Jesus, how he died on the cross for our sins. And our sins made us inferior in relationship with God. And we ha- but now we have this advantage, and now we're superior, or this expectation to become a joint heir, this expectation to walk in the word that God spoke over his people. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. We have all these great expectations of walking and be superior now. But at one point, our sins made us inferior. And so in this moment, I thought about it. What makes us cave in as Christians? What makes us quit? What makes us not believe in those three faith-boosting scriptures that I mentioned? What makes us say amen in church? But, ah, man, in life. What makes us need help in in life and scream hallelujah in church? Lord, please let me at least help or extend the the puzzle of illustration to break this word down in a prophetic, practical way. Because the truth be told, many of us have no problem with worship in here. We have no problem with being, carrying the word of faith in here. But when it goes down at home, when it goes down at work, when you check that Bank of America, that South Carolina State Credit Union, 
that Wells Fargo account, <clears throat> when you get that letter back that you was not approved, or when you thought he was going to do it because you decreed debt freedom, but now you, have to fi- now you have to go sign up to get approved. Wherever your faith is, to stay in the pace and the post of walking as a believer with a, an advantage, it takes deliberate act, deliberate thought, and intentionality to focus on who and how God sees us over how and what we see in ourselves. So there's protocols, but then there's perversions in the world, in the word, world. There's protocols in the word and perversions in the world. And they collide with the spirit of faith. And you choose, do I pervert the thought that God can do it for me? Or do I prophesy the thought? Yeah, God can do it for me. Because I'm going to hear something that's going to counterattack what I've already been given. You're not on the defense, you're on the offense. 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So since we have to fight, it's important that we fight life's battles from the standpoint, paradigm, and mindset of victory because we already won. Someone say, I already won. And last week on Sunday, we highlighted that the reason that the children of Israel didn't go up at once to take the land, the promised land, someone say promised land, when Joshua and Caleb heard the word, the reason why the other, other spies or the rest of the children of Israel were not ready to go was because they didn't fight or was not willing to fight or pursue or even spy on the promised land with a victory mind, mindset. They, en- ah, they engaged God's prophetic word with a victim mentality. I told you, what do you do? when prophecy and perversion collide with your faith. So we have a situation. We have God speaking and we have cancer speaking. Someone say we have a situation. We have God speaking and we have Wells Fargo speaking. Someone say we're in a situation. We have God speaking and we have our ex sneaking. Oh, y'all want to say we're in a situation no more? Thank you. Someone said we in a situation. We got God speaking and our boo thing still creeping. Someone shout we're in a situation. So, whether you like it or not, there's always going to be two voices talking to you as a believer. And the reason why they're talking to you, because they know their voice matters. Black lives matter. All lives matter. Well, voices matter. They know their voice matters, and they're trying to leverage you. Cancer knows if you can just believe in me. Ooh, she by mind that it is. Flu and COVID know if you can just speak me into existence. If you can just believe that this fever is going to mess up your whole trip, even though the trip ain't until two weeks. But because you got a fever today, if you could just grab hold, lay hold, she take. If you can lay hold of a fever today, that fever knows, now listen, I really can't go nowhere unless you take me with you. 
That sickness goes, now listen, I can't even mess up your job unless you take my mentality in your place of work. That, that, that income, that low income says, now listen, he got a word on his life that he's the head. That low income says, oh, they got a word that they're rich. They're above, not beneath. But if they could just take this beneath situation into a higher season, they'll bring poverty into a prosperity plan. The children of Israel, it wasn't the land that had a problem. The land had promises in it. It wasn't the promises. Ooh, that sounded like good right there. It wasn't the promises that had a problem. It was their mentality. So we're on a quest to give you what God wants for you, us in our mindset. And I want to talk to you from the subject, leveraging victory. That's my part. Bishop had his part. My part is leveraging victory. And I cannot help but think about my life and how I had to leverage who my parents were in the earth to get ahead. To make it personal. Now, check this out. I'm not talking about like in school and in life. Because the truth be told, there are times in my life that I was privy to more persecution because my last name was Bailey. Because people had expectations of me or people had pre-notions of me without getting to know me because they imagined who I was without getting to know me. So at times, being their natural son, it caused problems with my life. It was sometimes it caused rewards and blessings and favor. There's also been times it caused problems with enemies. Are you my father's enemy? I don't care how hard y'all are today, I'm going to have a good time with y'all. I'm not moved by y'all. I love y'all so much. And I'm going to bring my part to, we're we going to leverage victory up here. Now, I don't. In Exodus chapter 17. So, I told you, I had to leverage who I was spiritually. My, my wife and I, we started getting attacked with different things. And we we're like, why are we being attacked like this in our finances? We'll get attacked with certain situations in our home. And God started showing me that the reason why you're being attacked like this is because you're not seeing yourself spiritually. See, you think you just this dude with a low haircut, bald head, curly hair, dreads, whatever you got going on with you. Like you're just a little 5'2 young lady. You think that's who you are. You don't know what's behind you spiritually. Everyone says, well, I want someone praying for me. I wish I was part of a powerful family. I wish I had a grandma who labored with me. But do you understand those angels don't go away? So if I was attacking you from my paradigm of who you were, not yours, wouldn't I overwhelm you with poverty? Wouldn't I overwhelm you with financial crisis if I know wealth was called to you? Why would I overwhelm you with financial crisis? And why would I overwhelm you with poverty? Why would I overwhelm you with fear of sickness? Why would I overwhelm? Because I know that those things I want to overwhelm with you have a voice. And I need your faith to be fooled into perversion, not promises. So I need to captivate your faith and get you to believe in cancer more than Christ. I, I, it can't, it's not as strong as it could be unless you latch on to it. So I need you to latch on if I'm your enemy. I need you to latch on to negativity in your life if I'm your enemy. I need you, Timothy, not to remember your grandma. 
I need you to not know, remember, you come from a lineage of ministry. I need you to act like you're out here by yourself. I need you to act like you did not get out the last situation with God. And listen here, the Lord told me this real quick. Some of us were forgetting the word of our testimony because of this new season that we're overwhelmed with a new miracle need. Miracles come in the past. They become words of testimony. Exodus 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out to, the entire time we see God's children staying in victim mentality, forgetting the wondrous works of the Lord, forgetting what God, what God was already doing for them. And in Exodus 17, verse 1, it says, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped and Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why don't you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. Victims always need somebody to blame. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our, our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, stay with some of the elders of Israel, take in your hand the staff which you have struck the now and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Herod. Strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Prophecy and perversion colliding with faith. See, when, you see when, you, when I say perversion, you're only thinking naturally like nasty stuff. I'm talking about anything that goes against God is perverted. So if God says this is your year of favor and you're hearing this is my year, I'm going to go through hell, that's perversion. We have to become believers and have the advantage by learning how to leverage victory. If we're going to leverage victory by having a believer's advantage, we're going to have to become creative and innovative with going from faith to faith. And I want to highlight this, Romans 1 and 17. It says this, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written. This is the NIV version. The righteous will live by faith, but the King James version is where we usually have church at. For therein the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Someone say faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, your faith gives you an advantage. Your faith is your spiritual perspective concerning life's everyday issues. It's your spiritual perspective concerning life's everyday issues. And if we're going to leverage victory by having a believer's advantage, we're going to have to become creative and innovative with going from faith to faith. Why does my creativity matter? I'm going to tell you why. Why does innovation matter in a practical way? What, what does innovation have to do with impartation? What does creativity have to do with conviction? Those words sound modern and neo and new age. Why would I need those? Why would I need that type of mentality to operate in the miracle God has for me? You know why? Because you're not going from faith to figuring it out. You're going from faith to faith. You're not going from faith to finding out. You're going from faith to you're not going from faith to funding it out. 
You're going from faith to, you're not going from faith to feeling it out. You're going from faith to, we must have the courage and muster up the spirit of faith and operations to create a life protocol that disciplines us in the spirit of faith so that we'll be okay with going from faith to faith. And many of us, we don't go from faith to faith. We go from faith to, I hope I don't have to use it again later, because we associate faith with crisis. We associate faith with crisis, not exploits. So we pull on God when someone's in the hospital. We don't pull on God when it's time to acquire another house. We go into the best spiritual protocol when we're in dire need. But we don't go into a spiritual protocol before we make a purchase. That's life-changing and life-altering. Write this down. Anything that's life-changing and life-altering needs the spirit of faith. That means the same way you need God when mama's in the hospital is this, listen here, listen here, sis, listen here, sis, is the same way you need to hear God before you get married. It's not one more important than the other. They're both life-altering. Getting into debt is life-altering. Signing a loan is life-altering. But we step into these things without the spirit of faith because we think we don't need God because we have funding. But the believer's advantage has nothing to do with life's crisis. It has to do with a protocol that we're supposed to walk in regardless of what we're facing. And my first point, I want to give you two types of faith that are exposed in Exodus chapter 17. I want to highlight to you, and you will see firsthand how Moses was being questioned and having questions. But God answered Moses' question with a prophetic release, of releasing the spirit of faith. My first point for us to grow in the believer's advantage is this. In order for us to leverage victory, we must develop creative and innovative faith. If we dissect Exodus chapter 17, we have two moments of faith. One moment, Moses... His convictions collide with their confusion regarding the need of water, chaos. We have chaos, we have confusion, we have Moses' convictions. Holy Spirit, help them see themselves. They have chaos, they have confusion, the people are confused. Where are we going to get water from? Why would you leave us out here like this? You're supposed to be a great leader. Then we have Moses' convictions. Moses knows God led us through the Red Sea. He knew, he saw God, he was in fear. He heard God say, stretch your rod across that sea, convictions. He met God in the face of a burning bush, convictions. But wherever you go, there will always be confused, chaotic situations to steal your convictions. Wherever you go, is someone trying to steal your last exploit of faith. If I can take away your last God experience, you won't need God later. If I can make you to forfeit it, forfeit it, forget about it, because of the misaligned judgment of your situation. So in Exodus chapter 17, the whole Israelite community is in the desert. They're traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded them. But they want to quarrel in verse 2 with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? 
verse 3. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? They forgot the whole Red Sea experience. They're not even bringing up Pharaoh's army dying. They're not even honoring this man for what he's done so far with God. Don't allow your current needs keep you out of being in the season of having the believer's advantage. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us our children livestock die of thirst? Here it is. Then, verse 4. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Someone cry out to God real quick. Say, God, I need you. <laughs> Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I supposed to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Verse 5 is where innovative instructions show up. I'm going to help you out because some of us are looking for God to fix something when he's going to give you the answer so you can fix it. See, having the believer's advantage doesn't mean God comes in swooping down and working his magic. It means God might empower you with an idea that gives you an advantage over chaos like Moses is about to walk into. Let's see what Moses does in verse 5. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Since they don't believe you're a good leader, take with you some other leaders. You see that? Take with you some elders of Israel. Don't just do this by yourself because they're questioning you. Bring your squad with you. My God. Go out in front of the people. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta switch it up on folk. You, you got, you, I gotta remind you that I ain't by myself. They, they were coming from Moses, thinking that Moses, you alone. Let me remind my God. Like, Let me remind these grumbling people that you not just a leader. You got other leaders rocking with you. Verse five. Someone say innovation. The Lord answered Moses, "Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff." The same staff that they, that they got familiar with. The staff that they, were, they saw me do miracles through. They tripping. They tripping about what you used last time, forgetting that God can do it again. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of, of Horeb. Now, I hope you're following me because I'm about to give you a pop quiz. Because I want to make sure you're getting this. Because it's not just to be hype. It's supposed to be help. So pop quiz time. Was it Moses' rod or staff alone that caused the water to pour out the rock? Okay. I'm going to say it again. It's good. I want to I hear crowd participation. Was it the rod and staff alone that caused the water to pour out the rock? Let's keep reading in verse 6. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. But if you look at the earlier part of verse 6, here's what God's saying in verse 6. I will stand be there before you by the rock of Horeb. What God said is this. I thought I didn't have an example, but I sort of did. God's like, bring your rod over here. I'll they can't see me. I'm in a different realm. But I'm standing by your situation to give you an advantage. Lord, help us not have too much church. I feel that God helped me right now. Listen here real quick. I'm going to stand by the situation that's hard. The elders are going to see you take a staff that they know is lighter and weaker than the element that you're against. You're going to walk up to something that's harder than you. You're going to, as a leader, you're going to walk up to something that's harder than you. You're going to walk up into a situation that the elements are against you. You're going to walk into a season that's stronger than you. You're gonna, but you're going to take what you used the last time to, def to defy the element. What defied the elements of water can defy the elements of the rock. The same staff. 
You're going to walk up to it, and you're going to strike it. Once again, was it Moses' rod alone that caused the water to gush out the rock? It was God, verse 5. I was, verse 6, I will stand there before you by the rock. Right when he struck it, God said, water, come out. I'm here to tell somebody in here right now, you think it's going to be hard for you, but God said, I'm going to stand before it. I'm going to stand before it. And what was hard for them won't be hard for you because I'm going to stand before your situation. Yeah. Strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the Lord. Verse 7, and he called the place Massah and Meribah. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, my people will have more of an advantage if they start naming their last testimony. I told you innovative and creative faith. Innovation. Moses, take the rod. Strike something that's harder than your rod. Innovation. God created a technology. He allowed water. Rock. He came up with the first waterfall. Technology. God said, they ain't going to understand the quantum physics. I'm over here in the invisible realm. And when you strike it, I'm going to cause the water to come out just to mess with their mind a little bit. God could have made water come out the God could have made water come out the rock himself and make all the people worship him alone. But God didn't just want the glory. He wanted to remind the people that he the one. Ah. Uh, See so you dealing with some enemies and God's like, "You put your mind on me and I'll remind them." I'll remind them, "Don't you try her." Creative faith. Why do I call it creative faith? In verse 7, Moses names the place. He's not going to move on with his life like this didn't happen. He's going to name this place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled here and they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us? The second portion of Exodus 17 is in verse 8 to verse 13, where Joshua had to face the Amalekites. And it says in verse 8, the Amalekites immediately after this miracle, someone say immediately after. This is the believer's advantage. Immediately after Moses has the advantage over chaos and confusion by making sure his people had water, another situation happens. Hmm, why would the Amalekites attack them right after they just got finished drinking some water? They just needed God earlier. Oh, crap, we got to need God again. And many of us are like that. We're tired of needing God. And I told you in Romans, we're supposed to go from faith to what? You can't go from faith to faith without needing him again. Part of walking in the operational protocol of the believer's advantage is being okay with being tested in life to see, if, to show life that you still need him. And believers don't whine about what God uses for the test. The believer knows that it's just, a, it's, just a, it's just an obstacle between me and God. It's just a rock between me. It's just another hard place. So this time it's not a rock that's showing up as opposition. In Exodus 17 and verse 8, now we see the Amalekites show up on the scene inside the scripture. And it says this, the, Amal the Amalekites came and attacked I Israelites in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, and I can just imagine this right now. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Wait, there's no angel that told Moses to say this. There's no vision Joshua had. There's no vision Moses had. Moses, 
Someone said we're going from faith to faith. Moses has the momentum of the last miracle. It's causing him to have the innovative idea that I don't have to ask God, should I fight? I'm coming up with my own creative idea to tell my servant to fight. Because I realize if God can make water come out of a rock, then these Amalekites that just showed up on the scene to distract us and stress us out, they're just another obstacle. And if God can do this with me with a rod and a rock, then surely these annoying group of people, this tribe called the Amalekites, they're just between me and God. Everything in my, Moses started realizing, everything in his ministry had to do between God's people and their promises. He recognized that all these enemies that were showing up, all these situations, whether it was murmuring, whether it was chatter, whether people had a problem with him being an ish, a leader, whether uh, it was Amalekites, whether they were talking about there was giants in the land, the, they were all instruments of division to keep them out of their promised land. And until you recognize that whatever you think you're going through, stop zooming in on it. Zoom out. When you, uh, when you zoom out of your situation, you'll be like, wait, all these things are in front of a promise. Every one of these things I'm going through are in front of a promise. And I'm being petty in the realm of the spirit. I'm zooming in on my storm. Oh, my God, they broke up with me. I can't believe it. But when you zoom out, you realize, why do I keep dating this type of guy? Wait. Oh, this type of personality is to keep my soul too broke, too hurt, so that Boaz can't have a whole woman when I show up. Oh, I see what's happening. The devil's trying to keep me. It's not even the dude. It's about the posture of being broken. The enemy, if I'm too broken, I can't see wholeness. So, so God, the devil will use anything to keep me broken because everything is an obstacle, an obstacle between you and the promises of God. So Moses said, these are just some Amalekites. I'm standing in the momentum of my last miracle. We just got finished feeding all the children of Israel from a rock with water gushing out of it. I got momentum in my leadership. I got momentum. Someone said, believers advantage. So what does Moses come up with the idea? I'm going to task my servant to go fight this distraction without even consulting God because I know I have permission. Because anything that stands in front of me, and what God has for me, I don't have to ask God, should I curse this? I, should, I don't have to ask God, should I pray this thing away? I, I, if it's standing between me and what God already has for me, this is an issue. It's an obstacle. I have permission. Someone shout, I have permission. I have permission to attack this thing with the advantage. Ah, And Exodus 17 and verse 8, we don't see them waiting like, well, okay, next time they come, we'll defend ourselves. We, see, we say, hold up, hold up. You tried me for no reason. We see a people group that had the persona of having the advantage. And check this out. So they grabbed their swords. We never used these before, but we're going to use them. They grabbed, and let's keep reading. In verse 8, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of the men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Moses said, don't even bring the details to me. You choose. I'm, I'm giving you delegated authority to choose whatever you want to use to whoop their tail. I'm giving you delegated authority to choose whatever you want to use to whip that devil's tail. If you want to whip him, you, whatever funding you want to use. Whatever, whatever partners you want to use, whatever business strategy you want to use, God says, stop bringing up detail 
calls to me that I give you permission If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content, as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash RDCITV. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.